1: Now today I've got a special guest. Um, we've been lucky enough to secure Michael Eddie <laughs> Edwards, um, best known uh, to, uh, to, to to everybody uh, as Eddie the Eagle. So Michael, Eddie, welcome. Thank you,
0: thank you. I never use Michael actually. It's only my family that use Michael. I always use Eddie, especially with PR. Uh, otherwise it gets too confusing. But uh, yeah, Eddie uh, is, is a name I've had since I was a, a little boy uh, at junior school. They used to call me Ed because of Edwards. And then Ed went to Eddie and I've always been known as Eddie. So it's like a
1: nickname. So should, I, I suppose I'll be calling you Eddie today. Yes, then, okay. yes that's B's. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Okay, great. <laughs> so Eddie, your story has inspired humanity to believe that the ordinary person can achieve brilliance. As the British Olympic ski jumping world record holder, you you gave people the belief that they could achieve what was impossible. So you're obviously a really, really motivated individual. uh, And it sounds like you always wanted to be an Olympian. So what pushed you into Olympic ski jumping?
0: Um, It was a passion, really. It was, uh, I mean, I, I loved sport when I was a kid. I was doing all kinds of sports. I was out and active and doing anything from hide-and-seek and British Bulldog, and then we started playing football and crickets and rugby and athletics and kung fu, karate, judo, all kinds of stuff. Loved it. Um, but it wasn't until I started skiing, I thought, wow, I love this sport. Um, it's a very individual sport. So you can be as good as you want to be. It is totally up to you. Um, and I loved, I loved that about it. And I loved that you could go as fast as you wanted or slow. You could do lots of different techniques. Um, and I'm still just as excited to put a pair of skis on now as when I started forty years ago. Um and I think that was the one thing um that 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 drove me. It's that passion for doing something that I absolutely love doing. And if that meant, you know, sleeping in the car so that I could ski the extra couple of weeks or months, then so be it. But it's the overriding passion to do something that um that that was the, the most that the fuel really that um that kept
1: me going. So I understand you. You spotted an opportunity in that um, we didn't have any Olympic mm. ski jumpers, um, and um, you know, so, so you must have sort of thought to yourself, "Well, there's an opening here." Yeah. Um, you know. <laughs> yeah. I, you know, if, if there's if there's no one else doing this, and I haven't got a sort of qualify at some ridiculously high level. Yeah. Um, I understand they didn't change the, the rules. For they, they did after, the, yeah, they called it uh, an illegal rule. Uh, yeah, but, but so, yeah. prior to that. Mm. Um, so you, effectively, found a bit of a loophole, didn't you?
0: I did, yeah. It was it was sort of unintentional. Um, you know, I was in Lake Placid racing, ran out of money. It was either go home and go back to plastering or find something cheaper to do. So ultimately, I started ski jumping because it was an economic decision. It was much cheaper for me to ski jump than it was to carry on racing. So I, that was the first, my First and foremost, um, reason for doing it. But then, once I started jumping, um, I was asking around uh, some of my other ex, you know, um, skiers, um, and I said, you know, have you ever heard of a ski jumper from Great Britain? And they said, oh no. And they, they said, oh, this person tried it, that person tried it, but couldn't get on with it. Um, and I just kept going with it, and and it, it, it just made me able to carry on skiing. Ski jumping is still skiing, different form of skiing. Um, and, um, and then after a while, I thought, my God, you know, we, we don't have a ski jumper. And then and it went on from there. So it, it, I didn't do it because I was going to be the only one. Uh, I started jumping it and then I realized that I was the only one doing okay. it. And, uh, and it went on from there. But uh, in a way, I'm glad because, um, you know, it, it, it did make things easier in a way. But at the same time, ski jumping is much more dangerous. <laughs> Really? Um, Yeah. (laughs) And and the way I was doing it was even more dangerous because I was doing a crash course. These guys jumping at Calgary had been jumping for 20 years and and they spent, you know, two years on the small jump and then two years on the next jump and two years. So I spent like an hour on one jump. They moved up then another hour and then another hour. So I was doing very much a crash course and it was very, very dangerous. And I knew that I was, you know, risking life and limb, but it was still great fun too. And I I loved it. And uh, so that pushed me ahead and and did
1: it. at that stage how old were you and how old were your sort of contemporaries that you've got all these Europeans haven't you I don't know yes. Austrians and, and and I don't know Scandinavians uh, they've been doing mm. it
0: how, how old were they and how old were you well I, I was 22 when I started ski jumping 22 and 22 and yeah. at 22 most jumpers are actually retiring because yeah they, yeah. they start when they're 4 4 uh, oh yeah, yeah. 4 and or 5 and you were 22 uh, and yeah. they twenty 22 yeah. so so they were saying look you, you can't go anywhere because mm. you know you understand what fear is. And when you're standing at the top of the jump, your fear will overcome, you know, you won't be able to go further than a a 60 metre. You won't jump further than this, that. And I kept proving them wrong. And I I moved up to the 90 and I ended up doing 105. Now my personal best is 119 metres. So I did overcome that fear. Um, But because I started at 22, they said, it can't be done. There's no way. Uh, You've got to start very early before you know what fear is. And then you, you learn the technique before you even become fearful. Um, and that's the way and so they learned very very early um i started very late but it didn't stop me you know achieving what i wanted to do Though. No.
1: so you touched on something there about pr- proving people wrong hmm. i know for me that has been a massive driver um you know certainly in as, as i went through school and and university uh, i didn't work as hard as i should have done um and didn't get the results and you know there were, there were lots of People who indicated to me that I I couldn't really do what I wanted to do. uh, And they were quite negative um, teachers, contemporaries, you know, friends. um, And I just loved proving them wrong. Mm. I absolutely loved it. Yeah. Was that a really big thing for you? It it was a bonus. uh,
0: Definitely a bonus. Um, Everybody could say, oh, no, you can't do this. You can't do that. And I thought, well, I don't believe in the word can't. I think there is a way. And you've just got to work out. What that way is. Sometimes you know you come to a, a, an obstruction, and you've either got to go round it, under it, over it, or through it. Um, you just got to figure out a way. And 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 so I I used to use that a lot. Uh, I think, well, how can I get around this problem? Uh, you know, and 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 by thinking about it, um, you know, I managed to do it. So uh, it's it's good because these these objects. Make you the person you are, and you know if you want it bad enough, you will figure out a way around it. And uh, and that's what I loved about it as well. As well as doing the sport, proving people wrong was just yeah a bonus.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so you 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 must have done quite a lot of preparation for the you know the big. The, how many jumps did you do at the Olympics? Was Ooh. it two? Or? Oh yeah, yeah. You do yeah. Uh, the small hill and the big hill. Okay, yeah. so how much preparation and, and what was it bef- before that you know that you, you well a- my preparation was sort of
0: 20 months really all the other jumpers have been over 20 years <laughs> 20 months and mine was 20 months <laughs> yeah. um, but um, But it was very difficult at Calgary because it was such a windy city and that every time we got we had a training session booked it would be cancelled because of the high winds yeah. um, but somebody told me through the grapevine that there was an old ski jump in Norquay near Banff And so I thought, oh, I'll go and have a look. So (laughs) I I, I got a friend to drive me there. The the training session was cancelled. I jump in the van, drive off to Norquay, found this jump, this 60-meter jump. I prepared it myself. And then I started practicing. So we had a week where the, the jumps kept being, the training sessions kept being canceled because of high winds at for Calgary. For everybody else. For everybody else, yeah. and yeah, I was getting all this secret training uh, in Norway. And, <laughs> and I thought, oh, yeah. yeah, and, and yeah. everybody thought, oh my God, he's going to kill himself because yeah. he hasn't jumped for a week, when yeah. really I was in quite good shape because I'd been jumping every day. and uh, And so it was brilliant. So that kind of added to the whole thing as well. Oh my God, he's going to kill himself. I expect half of those 90,000 people in the crowd were waiting to see if they were going to see me break
1: my neck. Um, when really I was uh, in quite good shape, and, and were there quite a few of them sort of willing you to, to sort of fail? I know in the in the film there are, you know, I remember some of those characters from from, from school and, and university. You know those those, are uh, you know the, the, the slimy sort of sem- semi negative, yeah. uh, pompous. Yeah. Um, I mean, was that what they were like? Some of them were. Yeah. Some of them were in the ski jumping world. It's not quite
0: so much, but it's only in, it's only in the UK where you get that kind of snobbery because you do. We, Great Britain isn't really known for being a winter sport. Right. you know, a, a winter nation. We don't have much snow, although we did have a lot last year. Um, we don't have the facilities and that kind of thing. Um, so we're not really a winter nation. So, so to get good at skiing, you you've got to have the money because you need to travel a lot and, and stay out there and train. Um, so there's always that elitism which you have in skiing, which which isn't in a lot of other sports. Um, but it is especially in skiing, and it, it still is. Uh, but it is nice to be able to, um, you <laughs> know, I, <laughs> I bypassed all that. Yeah, and said, yeah, yeah. Whatever. And I carried. On. I never I never let it stop me yeah. doing what I wanted to do, despite all the sneers. It was to me, it was just. You know it was fun proving them wrong and 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 making uh, you know I was smiling uh, at the end of the day and uh, and
1: I, I did what I wanted to do and and after Eddie got the record and you know it was was famous uh what were their attitudes then um,
0: they were they some of them were still snobby yeah um, in fact they brought out all these new rules and regulations yeah, yeah. in fact nowadays every time I do a TV show yeah. or do something big uh, but the movie as well, uh, it's, it's, I'm like a thorn in their side. Yeah, I just great. think, like, oh, he's here. He's still here. done And I'm still, yeah, yeah, here yeah. I am. Yeah, you can't get rid of me. Yeah, here, hello, here I am. And it, it's great because I'm still a thorn in their side and I will always be for the next,
1: well, till the day I die, I'll always be a thorn in their side, well, which, which is wonderful. It is. And what I really loved about that <laughs> was, um, was, was just watching how the public were all on your side um, and... Um, and in many ways, you were more famous than, than they were and, and, and probably definitely more uh, admired. And, yeah. um, and I suspect some of it was because you, you were a normal bloke and you, you were smiling at them and yes. you were, and you and were one was, of them.
0: And also, and I was using my humour because I was, I was always laughing and joking and having fun. I was always up for a bit of a laugh. Um, and they kept thinking, well, you're not taking the sport seriously. And I said, well, just because I got a smile on my face, yeah. it doesn't mean I'm not taking my sport seriously. Mm. When I'm sitting on that bar and going down, I'm taking it very seriously. But I don't think there's anything wrong in having a smile on my face. Well, I'm doing something that I love doing. Um, and, and, that's what I, and, and that's what people loved about me. I was always laughing and joking and, Flapping and doing, your wings to yeah, yeah, doing yeah. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. And the general public loved it. And I was bringing attention to the sport. <laughs> yeah. And I, I was a great PR, you know, tool for skiing and ski jumping. But the and authorities said, oh, skiing is serious. It should be taken seriously. And I said, well, yes, but there's no reason why you can't have fun while you're doing it. And it was that fun element that, that really attracted people and, um, and took me to their hearts. And um, and I became as, as, as well-known as I did because I was always up for, you know, having fun. And, and, and I didn't mind having a laugh at myself as well.
1: Yeah, I, I think people love that. Uh, yeah. And people love the underdog. Yes, oh, they, they I definitely. They really love the underdog. Definitely. Yeah. Yeah. So it's impossible to soar like an eagle when you're flying with turkeys. <laughs> <laughs> so you must have had some, sorry, I couldn't resist that. <laughs> you, you, you must have had some amazing coaches who helped mentor you to greatness. Um, I understand John Viscom and, and Chuck Berghorn yep. um, at uh, Lake Placid were important here. So what extent, to what extent do you think having great people around you got you to the Olympics and, and got you that result? Um, they they were a big, big part. Um,
0: not only mentally um, helped me you know to take take part in this 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 weird sport that you know normally you have to be so young to do. Um, but they their, their knowledge, their experience was, was great. And John Viscomi, my very first coach, he was an Italian New Yorker <laughs> and he had a very dry sense of humor. And he was about 75-80, but he swore like a trooper. <laughs> we had so much fun. Um and he was great. He would pull up in his pickup truck, stick his head out the window, watch me say, Hey, get your hats up, get your ass up, and all this sort of thing. And and it and he was great. I had so much fun with him, but his his experience, because he he'd always been in ski jumping since he was a little boy, and and here he was, he was still at the ski jumps himself, um, and, and they were tremendous. They 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 always knew someone who could help if I needed a pair of skis. Oh yeah, he's got he's he's stopped now, but he's still got his pair of skis. They'll be better than the ones that you're using. I'll go and have a word, and and he would get them, and they would always sort something out. So their their experience, their knowledge, um, and their mentoring was 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 brilliant, and and I think. Hugh Jackman, the coach in the movie, it's largely based on John Viscomi, my okay. very first coach. Yeah. Um, but there's bits of all my coaches, because I had about 20 coaches going to Calgary, but they couldn't put them all in the film. Yeah. So they kind of put them all together into one into character. character. Um, but most of it, I think, is John Viscomi, But uh, yeah, he was lovely. He died in uh, 98, 99, I think. Uh, but it was lovely. And he actually got me jobs when I was in Lake Placid. He was like a handyman. And he would take me around to his clients. And then I started doing work for them as well, painting and decorating, a bit of drywalling, cutting grass, um, doing a bit of gardening, and so I was able to get well, some whilst money you were training. while I was yeah. training. Yeah. Um, and so he helped me not only with my ski jumping, but you know, able to make some money while I could, so I could stay out there, so, in, you could and eat. so I could eat. Yeah. That's right. Because right. it was tough, wasn't it? Yeah. I mean, you, oh, you lived in a shed for a while. Yeah. You were,
1: um, it, were, it was a cow shed. You were you yeah. were living in the mental uh, mental hospital, hospital. In, what, what in Finland. There? Yeah. You, you,
0: yeah, was, I was invited to Finland to train with a the team there and um, I had nowhere to stay and one of the trainers was a painter and decorator. He worked at the local hospital so he managed to get me a, a place there, a mental hospital for five weeks. Um, but it, it didn't matter, it, was, it didn't matter where I was and where I was sleeping it meant that i could stay there and carry on doing something which is what i love doing which was my skiing and my ski jumping and if that meant sleeping in a mental hospital or sleeping in a cow shed or sleeping in the back <laughs> of a car so be it it was um, it was it was great fun and it's um, you know it's it's it, it it makes it even more nicer you know to achieve what i wanted to achieve Without having all the money and all the you know the things that all these top teams and top athletes have now, they have so much. They have doctors, they have psychologists, they have you know trainers and uh, and everything else. Whereas I did it all on my own back, and uh, and it was
1: great fun and 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 so much more sort of real, uh, yeah, uh, a more visceral experience. Absolutely, and, and so you remember. And such an,
0: an unusual story that that they made the movie about uh, about it, which was which was wonderful. So it all worked out well in the end. So uh,
1: yeah, I was very pleased. So. You're sitting at the top of a 90-metre slope, uh, which is, I mean, I, I can't even imagine. I've, I've no idea how that would feel. Um, to me, it's just hugely daunting. And you've got a hell of a long way down. Uh, very dangerous. Loads of people have died. There's a very good chance that you will fall and be injured uh, and, and, and poss- possibly lose your life. What's going through your head before you get off that seat and start going down the hill?
0: Oof. Um a lot of it is well it's technique uh, it has to be technique because it's the technique that will not only get you down the hill it will make you safe um, and and that's what you want to be you know nobody wants to go down that jump and hurt themselves or kill themselves so it, you're constantly thinking technique but there's ski jumping is ninety five percent psychological and only five percent physical effort when you're sitting at the top there you can see and feel a million different reasons why you shouldn't really go down but at the same time, you want to go down and you want to jump further than you've ever jumped before. And to do that, you've got to risk more than you've ever risked before, knowing that if you get any part of that sequence of that takeoff wrong, the consequences could be horrendous. So there's that constant battle. I want to do it, but do I dare myself to do it? And, um, and that was great. And that's what I loved about the sport. Um, and I had a few accidents. I fractured my skull twice. I broke my jaw, collarbone, ribs, damaged my kidney, damaged my knee. But it didn't matter. The, the fact that I did some fantastic jumps and I flew and it was like, oh, it's like no other feeling. Um, the most exciting thing you can do with your clothes on, you know, flying through the air, your skis are like a parachute and you just float. And it is just the most incredible feeling. And, and that, that was
1: wonderful. You, you broke your jaw and yes. you couldn't afford to go to the hospital. That's right. What did you do?
0: Yeah, I wrapped a pillowcase around my face and you know, I just to hold my jaw like this and then I carried get, on jumping. And
1: how long, you carried on jumping? I carried on how jumping. Long? Uh, well, it, I, it, it got
0: better um, <laughs> after about two weeks. I do, I, uh, the I first do couple of days two, were quite painful yeah. then after that it
1: got easier and easier. But I mean, that is uh, just determination to a whole nother level. Yes. I just, um, <laughs> yeah. my, you've got a broken yeah. jaw and you're ski yeah, jumping. And, that, and now yeah. I've had
0: my, re, my jaws realigned. I had my top jaw broken and brought forward and my bottom jaw pushed back. Uh, 'cause I used to have a big bottom jaw. Um, so uh, but yeah, it was one of those things. I've still got plates now in my jaws, but uh, uh, yeah, it was part and parcel of the uh, of the experience of ski jumping. But it never stopped me, you know, doing what I wanted to do. And it was just an inconvenience really for a couple of weeks, a bit of pain in the jaw. Uh, <laughs> just and then so I carried on <laughs> <Yeah>.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so at the closing ceremony, you know, you're you're all done. The the Winter Olympics nineteen eighty eight. Um the, the the president of the organising committee comes on and says, some of you have even soared uh, like an eagle, clearly singling you out. Um, in some ways, I, I guess you, you were the star of the show. Um, how did that make you feel? Oh, that was amazing because I, I never
0: thought that that would ever happen at all. I turned up for the closing ceremony. It's just so pleased to be at the Olympic Games. Being, being christened the Eagle was, was a bonus. Mm. Um, it was lovely, uh, but it was so surprising when, when he started his speech and then he said that and then the whole stadium started erupting and they started they shouting, <laughs> ad Eddie. So I got up and waved <laughs> yeah. and they went loopy and then he had to stop his speech for 10 minutes while they all calmed down and then he carried on and I was... It was amazing. And they showed that really nicely in the film as well. Mm. And I, I didn't think it would I never ever dreamt that that would happen. And, uh, you know, somebody said that um, I was, I've been the only athlete ever to be mentioned in the closing speech of a Winter Olympics. I thought, well, in the Olympics? I thought, mm. my God, you know, that's um, amazing. But uh, yeah, it was uh, fantastic.
1: And uh, it's... Um, Especially as the outcast, as, as the yeah. sort of, um, in, in some ways, you, you know, to, to some of them, you weren't welcome. No. You, were, you were there and you were a thorn in their side. That's right. Um, and, and then you get mentioned in the, in the that, closing sp- when, when no one else does. and That's that, right. That that's <laughs> right. And, and it just goes yeah. to show that you don't need to
0: win. It's just, you know, they, they, they just took me to the heart. I was exemplifying that Olympic spirit. Um, and i was i was loved because of it and um you know and I, I loved being there and i i loved jumping for great britain i wish i could have jumped more uh for britain uh, but they just wouldn't let me but um uh it was it was just yeah it was an incredible experience especially though closing ceremonies and then flew home and uh, and and that was it that was the start of 30 uh fantastic years doing pr and uh, uh and traveling around the world it was great fun
1: well that brings the song quite nicely um to, um, to, 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 to what you do now, um, along, along with your sort of plastering, um, you've, you've, you've clearly done a lot with sort of advertisements, promotions. You've, you've been speaking on a uh, progressive sort of stage today. In 1988, you earned around £500,000 from these activities, um, about £1.2 million today. So was this year sort of your best year financially uh, and, and, and what did that give you? Calgary probably was, yes,
0: my best year financially. Um, Unfortunately, because I was still an amateur sportsman, all the money that I was earning had to go into a trust. And I employed these trustees. Was that because you were quite young? Yeah, it was because I was an amateur sportsman.
1: Oh, right. Um, to
0: go to another Olympics, which is what I wanted to do. I was hoping to go for the 92, 94, yeah. 98 Olympics and get better and better. And to do that, I had to have a trust fund. All the money went
1: into a trust. <laughs> who, who, who says that you're not allowed the money? It, where, the is that? IOC. Really? The, yeah, what, yeah. Why, though? Because, they what, said because you may use the money to do what? Well, the, the, they said that I could only use the money if I
0: was an amateur sportsman um, to, for my training. Um, you know to go off and do my training and oh, I say but but, uh, but I just couldn't spend it on a Ferrari or you know a nice oh, I big see. mansion.
1: right. Um, I so to, they were sort of trying to protect
0: trying to the money uh, well, from, they're from they're trying wasted. to protect, They're trying to protect the amateurism of the Olympic Games. Oh, okay, right. And you have to be an amateur, but it was it was a very gray area because the people like the East Germans you Know okay. their athletes were in the army, yeah. and so and all they did was their sport, they were yeah. literally paid to do their sport okay. by being in the army. So it was a very kind of um grey
1: area of yeah. being an amateur sportsman. And yeah. then
0: uh, that, that Olympics uh, Calgary were the last pe- last
1: Olympics that you ever saw amateur sports people after I that. It, was see, all, it opened it up because it's amateur, you're not allowed to be paid, therefore, That's you're right. not professional. That's the difference between amateur That's. and professional. And, and right. therefore, you're not allowed to have the money, That's supposedly, right. but... Yeah. although yeah. oh, there, there was a bit of a grey area, because yeah.
0: I said that I wasn't being paid to be an athlete. I was yeah. being paid to open things and be a did Eagle, not oh, I to be yeah. a ski jumper. Which
1: sounds... So there, yeah.
0: There was an argument to say that, yeah. you know, uh, I, wasn't, I, w- I was paid to perform, okay. uh, not paid to ski jump. Um... But all the money went into a trust, and I, uh, they looked after my trust fund very badly. And I went bankrupt in 92. And it's very interesting how my lawyers and barristers put my case together to sue my trustees. And then that, that sowed the seed then to become, you know, doing my law degree after that. Oh, I see. Um, right. So, yeah. But it was, I mean, it was great fun. I was traveling yeah. all over the world, opening shopping centers, golf <laughs> courses, fun yeah. rides, television yeah. shows. Uh, it was brilliant fun. Um, and these trustees who, I was, who were supposed to look after mum and I, didn't look after it very well and
1: uh, so wh- where were the i mean you know i'm i'm quite interested in investment and and understanding trusts and you know di- different structures where were the trustees um they were they were in in, in england or <laughs> yeah 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 are yeah. english yeah and, and what did they yeah. do? they just put it into yeah. sort of but they put it
0: into a trust. Uh, no, well, it was partly that, but also my family uh, had a bit to do with it. They they thought I was a bank, and so they were yeah. lending, they were giving money to my family without securing, whether it was a loan or a gift and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, so the money so, wasn't sort of coming back. That's yeah, right. Yeah. And and then they didn't leave enough money in to pay the taxman. And uh, and that was it. The taxman came calling, and uh, there was no money, there was not enough in there, so they made me bankrupt. But the taxman said, well, oh, I see. There's, there's a problem here with your trust. Um, yeah. You should get it sorted and so I got a lawyer in and they said oh yeah actually they should have done this that and the other they didn't do it and so um yeah they that that was that's why I was able to try, sue them and then I would give some of the money then of that settlement to the taxman and then that cleared cleared the whole so thing it, so it was very was interesting it
1: successful when you, you, you I mean, mean was, I, I lost a lot but
0: yeah. uh, and I, I still got a bit of money then I put that into property yeah um, but the litigation ultimately on.
1: worked yeah yeah so you must have—I mean, I've been through litigation, and uh, it, it's—it can be a pretty sort of dirty, mm. sort of uh, uh, very involved process, which takes a lot of your time. It can take a lot mm. of your mental energy. Um, but clearly, you must have learned quite a lot from it. Hence, wanting then to become a solicitor or, yeah. or join the bar. That's right. So, what did that give you? Yeah, it
0: was—it was. Well, I—I I, I thought, you know, lawyers and and accountants and things, Mm. you know, they were... You, you could trust them they, totally you
1: trust them and you, they know what they're doing that's right Yes, that's, that's right. what I used to assume I always, that's yeah. right.
0: I always used to think the cowboys were <laughs> yeah. in, the tra- in the building trade yeah, yeah, you know, yes. the, the yes. cowboy yeah. plasterers the know. cowboy builders and that right? I realised that there's no, just no. as many cowboys in mean, accountancy yeah, and yeah, these law these guys and just wear a suit and yeah. then have
1: a posh accent some that's of them right. that's, that's the only difference that's right so yeah. that, that did yeah. open my eyes yeah
0: um, and then but it was very interesting Am I a lawyer and barrister's put my case together and that sowed the seed then to do my law degree some years later And I I put the money that I did get back into a property um, which I kept for 20 or 30 years, 35 years. Yeah. Um, And and, and so I did, yeah, I learned a lot from that. Um, But, and I did my law degree, but it was very expensive to go on. um, And I still enjoyed the PR side. So I went back to building and plashing. And also, building and plashing is something that I know um, and I enjoy you've got to do what you
1: love yeah, you don't absolutely. do what you love there's just no point no
0: yeah. I mean, it's, you spend enough time yeah. working yeah. and if you don't do something that you really enjoy you
1: know what's the point there is you no know, point life's too short <laughs>
0: yeah it really is
1: so uh, I think there there's, there's there's a sort of underlying theme about managing your own money um, yes you you had the ability to do that taken away from you by the mm. IOC and this trust if you'd been offered that choice Back then, um, I, I don't know sort of ha- how much experience you've got um, with making investments, and, and 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 maybe you would have needed help from others. But if you'd had your time again, would you preferred it that they would have allowed you to manage your own money rather than having other people do it for you? Yes,
0: yes, I think that would have been better. Um, I could then I'd have more control over, it, especially my family. I would say, look. I'm sorry, but I'm not a bank. Uh, if you want money, go to the bank and borrow it. Don't keep coming to me and that kind of thing. Um, but um, uh, I, I do dabble a little bit, but only in things like ices. And I let, uh, but, uh, and I let, let you know, those sort of mature and, and things like that. But, but they still take so much you know, at the end of the day. Um, if I had money now, um, and every time I get you know, 100,000 quid or whatever, I would tend to go into property because that's what I know. So I would rather so buy would a house.
1: I? So would yeah, I. yeah, um, yeah.
0: And, and, and 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 if you invest in something that you know and that you enjoy, it's uh, you you get both both worlds. And you you're doing something you enjoy and you're investing as well. Um, and, and rather than stock market where anything can happen and, uh, and it's, it's very, in your control,
1: it's very out of your control, very difficult to understand. Yeah, um, I'm very similar actually. Um, I do my ISO every year it, it goes into some funds. You know, I get six, seven, eight percent. Um, but actually. The vast majority of what I've made has come through property investment yeah, and property yeah. I have made much
0: more money through property than I ever have through PR. Yeah, and I've I've done quite well at PR, but infinitely
1: more through property. Have you? Yeah. So you, you, you what have you sort of been involved with? Buy to let renting out, or is it, is it more a little bit? Yeah,
0: I did a little bit of that, but I, it's um, it's mainly uh, buying a property and then working out how I can develop it, uh, what I what what potential it has. And then getting permission to either extend it or things like that, uh, or just renovate it, and then and then sell it, um, make a bit of money, buy something bigger, do it again, um, uh, and do that kind of thing. So that, and that's what I enjoy doing, and I, I do a lot of the work myself because um, it's it's part and parcel of it. I enjoy it, and I keep the costs right down. Um yeah, I'm renovating my house at the moment. It'll probably cost me ten grand to renovate the whole place. Whereas if I'd have got a builder in, it probably would cost me in close to fifty, sixty grand. Yeah. And I thought, yeah. well, why don't I do it? Yeah. I can do it when I want. Um I've got no time constraints.
1: Um and save myself even more money. Uh and I, I do enjoy it. And, and and really you're you're sort of you're so much further ahead because you're in there, you're 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 doing your plastering, you're working there, so you've already got an idea of how electrics work, you've already yeah. got an idea of you know, what happens if there's an issue with the roof? You're already, yep. because you're through osmosis, through talking yeah. to other trades, through watching what they do every day, yep. through being on site, you've learned all that. And because yep. you're there all the time as well, you get, you know, what? What? which properties rent quickest you get, yep. which ones are easiest to develop. You have an idea of, and sort of being in it, doing something you love and, yes. and, and, and being close to your investments yes. is and, what's usually going to make you the most money rather than... A sort of going for something because it looks like the highest return, mm. but you don't have the the knowledge or you're not as close to it. Mm. Um, actually, it will probably end up mean that you will you'll end up with the lowest return. That's
0: yeah, that's what I found. yeah, that's right. I mean, our first house that we lived in as kids. Um, is now student, because um, our house literally backed onto to uh, Cheltenham College, which is now Gloucestershire University. So the whole street now is just loads of, um, loads of bedsits now for students. Um, and, and, but we lived there uh, when we were kids, um, and that's what people do. They go, this is the house, what's around? Is it a studenty place, or is it this, or is it that? What can I do, um, and, and go with that. So you can do a little bit of research, but it's, it's, it's common sense, really. A lot of it is just common sense. Um, but uh, but I do enjoy the property side. It's fun. Uh, but I'm not well, I'm not one of those crick in do it and get out. I'm I'm sort of you know, buy
1: it. Yeah, I'll take three or four years doing it. It Doesn't really matter. I'll work on it because I enjoy the work as well. And you've 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 got your own home at the moment. You've got planning yep. permission for two in the garden. Yep. Uh, and you're you've started that. You're renovating your own home. But as part of that consent. You've got uh, consent for two new ones. Yes. So you've started, you've implemented the consent. Yep. So it doesn't matter if it takes you 10, 15 years to to build the two in the garden. Uh, That's right. And then you're going to sell them.
0: Uh, Might do. I'll either sell them or, uh, because I'll get to a point where I actually want to downsize. or um, I've got two girls, 11 um, year old and a 14 year old, um, and I want to see how they're going to develop over the next 10 years. Um, see what they do. Um, it'll be nice to leave them a house each, um, and it'll give them a bit of a head start. So I, that way, in that case, I will rent them out, and then I can give a house each to to my girls. Or yeah, or sell them, downsize. And then kind of semi-retire and play golf and go skiing. <laughs> <laughs> and why not? And why, why not? not?
1: <laughs> yeah. And you, you, you still ski a lot? I, as much as I possibly yeah. can. And where, where do you go?
0: Anywhere. Yeah. Uh, it might be my local dry ski slope, yeah. still at Gloucester. Okay. Uh, indoor ski slopes like yeah. Tamworth, Castleford, Chill Factor, yeah. um, or Hemel Hempstead. And I go to Europe, I go to Canada, Where, where do you go in Europe? Um, this year, this coming season, I'll be in Italy, France, Austria, and Switzerland. Wh- wh- which resorts? Where do you um, I'm working for a travel company, oh, okay. uh, So, I don't know where in Italy and France I'll be yeah. with a travel company, yeah. Um, but and I work for the Austrian Tourist Board. Oh, do you? Um, okay. So, I do lots of different things yeah. in Meyerhofen, yeah. So, I'm hoping to because I've been in Meyerhofen every year for the last eight years, and Have I love Meyerhofen, yeah, yeah. So, I, is that
1: your favorite? Do you think I, it's yeah. one of my favorite, yeah? yeah. Uh, I, love, I like I love Austria now. I, I I'd gone to Three valleys and lots of French resorts over the years, um, and I've come back to Austria. Last year we went to Kitzbühel, oh, yeah. um, and and we went to Ischgl. It's um, sort of on a, oh, yeah. a ski trip. Yeah. <laughs> that was a lot of fun, Ischgl. Yeah. Um, but but yeah, there's something great about these Austrian resorts. They are. They're
0: beautiful. They yeah. they. I mean, I mean the the whole country is is tourism, mm. and um, they do it really really well. The hotels are just fantastic. Yeah. The ski the ski areas are really really good. Um, and I like places like Sailback, Glen, vast ski areas mm. are all sort of linking together now yeah. and creating bigger and bigger ski areas. And I, and I love nothing more than after a ski, going for a spa, going for a sauna and that kind of thing. They do everything so nicely. It's so and, uh, organized they so
1: goddamn organised and efficient yes. and, and everything is, is done properly. Yes. Um, yes. and um, It's just a little bit more expensive, but yeah. sometimes
0: it's worth... Yeah, and the, the the places are so picturesque. Mm. Um, a lot of the French resorts tend to be concrete jungles, whereas Austria is just yeah. beautiful, picture yeah. postcard. You know, the lights and it's just what you would see like at Christmas, and you think, oh, that looks pretty. Mm. <laughs> Uh, you don't get that at a lot of other places so no, yeah, I no. do like Austria I,
1: I'm, I'm loving it and, and,
0: I, and I like America and Canada as well um, yeah. you know right, I, I ski you? in Colorado I've skied last year I was in Montana Whitefish Montana yeah. which was just wonderful uh, the year before that I was in kicking um, horse uh, in um, British Columbia through to Calgary and it's about yeah. a four hour drive that was great so, one lift go to the top so the weekend it can get a little bit you know uh, a lot of people a lot of crowds yeah, yeah. Um, but the snow was.
1: Just incredible. Powder all day, every day. Beautiful. So, so what's your favourite sort of North American resort? Um, oof, I would
0: say, well, Whitefish. I loved Whitefish. I like Steamboat. Um, I like Vale, Aspen, yeah. uh, Breckenridge. Um, and and I love Whistler. Uh, yeah, I love Whistler. Whistler. And, uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, and, and of course, you know, um, places like Banff and Lake Louise and Jasper, they are just great stuff. Uh, the only thing you got, it's quite far to go. Yeah. Um, so it's those kind of places I like to go for ten days rather yeah. than a week. Um, but yeah, I, I mean, if I've got skis on, I'm just happy skiing at
1: Gloucester. Yeah. So. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. Well, we can do we, we can do this with the indoor sort of uh, yeah. artificial snow centres right. now. That's right. Um, it's a lot of fun. Okay. So I've got lots of people listening. Um, you know. Th- sort of tune into my podcast, they're they're downloading, they've got small businesses, they've got dreams, they've got hopes, aspirations. They've all got that thing that they want to do and that they want to achieve. What advice could you give them um, to to help them get closer to their goal? Um, The only kind of advice I can give
0: really is... Never give up. Never lose sight of where where you want to go, what you want to do. And sometimes that might mean taking a step to the left or to the right or taking a few steps back to be able to progress forwards. Um, you know, if there's an obstacle, there is a way around it. You've just got to think outside the box to, to get around that obstacle. Um, but but never lose sight of, of where it is you want to be, where it is what it is you want to do, uh, and, and never give up. That's the best thing, I think. Never give up whatever it is you want to do, uh, whether it's in building, business, academics, sports, whatever. Never give up.
1: Eddie thank you you've been a, um, you've been a, a true gent you've you've left an indelible mark on our psyche capturing hearts internationally but especially here in Great Britain. a British ski jumping champion yes but perhaps you endeared yourself to the masses more because you were the underdog. the average guy who refused to listen to the doubters ignored the status quo and with dogged determination and resilience you refused to give up. thank you for coming on mark my words thank you very much and um i i I wish you a fantastic future i've no doubt you're going to go and achieve a load more i hope so very shortly cool thank you eddie hey no problem that has been mark homer for mark my words